Good morning, Trinity Lutheran Church. It's good to see you this morning. Welcome to Trinity. Welcome online, folks. Welcome to the folks in this sanctuary. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about love this morning. And uh, this song to start with is a song about the story of God's love in our lives, God's love for us all. Crying, glorifying, all relying on your sweet love. Our call to glory is the story of restoring us in your love. We can refuse the call to be believers all, but we can never deny your gracious love. For us all. Oh God, who is a God like thee? One God, pardoning iniquity and casting transgressions into the sea. Crying, glorifying, all relying on your sweet love. Our call to glory is the story of restoring us in your love. We can refuse the call to be believers all, but we can never deny your gracious love for us all. But we can never 
I couldn't agree more. Carl wrote that song for us as well, a beautiful song for us all, God's love for us all. We welcome you this morning. Are you happy to be here? Yeah, amen. It's good to be together as God's people. Any Sunday it's good to be together, and especially on Chocolate Sunday. So after the service, you'll all be invited in for chocolate. You also see that others were here before you, the early service, but also the altar guild, who has set the table that we might... uh, come together as God's people and share the bread and wine of Holy Communion. The choir's in their place as well. Sheila's not feeling well today, so she wasn't in. Uh, she was uh, staying home this morning, not feeling well. But Ron and Carl and the choir are going to uh, be with us. And say, uh, say hello to Sheila and all those people online. Okay, all those people watching the Seahawks game, we should be here. Uh, <laughs> I guess they won't see me, though. Uh, everything you need is projected for you and is uh, on the bulletin. If it's comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We raise our voices in song. Let us put on the clothes of Christ. When it moves to colors, Carl will sing the green and we'll sing the white. But most all of it we'll sing together.
We continue with a responsive reading for today. Either all are welcome. Or all will be excluded. Either all are welcome. All are welcome in God's house. There is neither female nor male, Jew nor Greek. All are welcome in God's house. Saints and sinners. Doubters and skeptics. All are welcome here. The table is set. Jesus is the host. There is a place for me. Everyone welcome. Everyone equal. Open the door to see the people. That's a lead-in to our hymn of praise. Get out those finger movements. Open the door. Here's the church. be opened, that we might come to see every child as your child, and every race and every face as one beautifully created in your image. May this sanctuary be a safe place where everyone is welcomed and everyone is equal. Send now your Holy Spirit that this worship might reflect your love and that your people here might leave inspired for service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. 
So the first lesson is from Isaiah chapter 49, verses 14 to 16. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My God has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. The word of the Lord. Thank you to the choir. Uh, thank you. Uh, they're here at 10.30 today. Usually they're here early in the morning, but wonderful to have you there uh, today as well. Thank you all for being here. There's a lot of places you could have been this morning. Uh, thank you so much for being here. At the end of the sermon, Carl's going to be singing, I Stand for Love, and you re may remain seated as he sings. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to be here. You know, so many times on a Sunday, uh, a lot of energy goes out, and then uh, we get through the day, and about dinner time, Felicia will say, it went well today, you know, it went well at church. And I said, yeah, but I got nothing left to tell these people, you know. <laughs> I've been preaching to them for a long time, and I got nothing new to say to them. So I'm excited to share this sermon with you this morning, because I have nothing for you, okay? It's a sermon about nothing, okay? But first I have to tell you, that as Andy read that text from Isaiah, I've always been haunted by that text. Haunted by that text. The prophet Isaiah is capturing the despair and the suffering of displaced people. He's talking to people who have been suffering, displaced, and are lacking hope. And the text says that the people were saying this, the Lord has 
forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Might those words be spoken today in Florida, where paradise has become a wasteland and hopes and dreams and loved ones were simply washed away? Might those words be spoken in Ukraine, where the forces of evil have afflicted peace-loving families and destroyed communities and dreams and hopes? The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Might those words be spoken by tired travelers at our southern border, those who have escaped poverty and danger in their homeland, only to now languish in despair just steps away from the promised land. Might those words have been spoken by you, trapped in a bad marriage, suffering from chronic pain, disabled, discouraged, not sure where the rent money was going to come from, from for this month, abandoned by parents or by children, shaking your fist to heaven saying, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. If honesty is to be a part of our conversation as people of faith, perhaps we should start by saying what we know to be true. Sometimes it's hard to have faith. Sometimes it's hard to believe. And sometimes we feel all alone. The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. That's what the people were saying. But listen to God's response. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? That's the question with which God begins a response to the people. Now, the assumed answer would be that a woman could not, could not possibly forget. But we know that that's not always the case, is it? Not all children are loved. Not all children are cared for and protected by the ones who gave them life. God's response to the utter despair and suffering of the displaced people, can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. I sat with two cousins this past week, two grown women in their 40s who had just met each other for the first time. They were connected by blood, by DNA, but they had no shared memories. Their only shared history seemed to be a legacy of abandonment. They were trying to put the pieces of their lives together to reconstruct a puzzle, a mystery that they did not create or understand. 
It started with a mother who had given up children for adoption. The circumstances were unclear. The details were lost in the pages of time. It may have been the right choice. It may have been the best option among a series of less than ideal options. It may have been the most loving choice available to the mother at that time. In that act of love or despair, one family ceased to exist and two other families took shape and took flight. Now the question faced by these cousins, granddaughters who had never met their grandmother, who was she? What was she like? Did she love us? Did she care? Did she want to know us? Was it love or something else that allowed a mother to let her children go from her life? The people say, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. If we look at the Bible, the Bible tells us that God is love. Love is the defining attribute of God. God is defined as love. Now, as we gaze into the cosmos or, or see these images from the James Webb telescope, we quickly realize how small we are, how insignificant planet Earth seems to be in the context of the entire universe. Now, certainly, we do not understand God. Paul said that we see in a mirror dimly. We are mere creatures. We cannot comprehend an eternal being who is the author of creation, the master of the universe. But that doesn't mean that we don't know some things. The revelation of God to us, seen in Jesus, and informed by the divine inspiration in Scripture, tells us that God is love. Love is the very essence of God. God is love, and love in the Bible is defined at least once in this way. Love is patient, love is kind, love bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. That means God. God who is love is patient and kind with you. God bears all things. God hopes all things. God endures all things, and God never ends. And we are told as Christian people that the greatest of all the commandments is to love, to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love. What is this thing called love? Let's start by stating what should be very obvious to us. God's love is different than your love or mine. Now, we love. Yes, we do. We love a variety of people. We love. But our love does not compare with God's love. You see, human love is situational and transactional. The relationships in our lives are situational and transactional. I have painfully experienced this 
in my 36 years as being a pastor. They love you. Yes, they do. As long as you don't offend their sensibilities. As long as you don't take political sides. As long as you don't play that music. As long as you don't open the doors of the church to those people. As long as you don't talk about money. As long as you don't take the flag out of the sanctuary or put a flagpole on the church property. Yes, human love can be beautiful. Human love is beautiful, but it pales when compared to God's love. You see, human love is situational and transactional. Oftentimes now I stand before the altar, well actually more times now I stand before an arbor at a venue, I stand there with young people as they exchange sacred vows, they're promising to face the seasons of life together, they're making promises for life, right? But those promises are transactional, they're not unconditional. I promise to be faithful and honest to you for as long as I live, but only if you're faithful and honest with me. And once those brows are broken and trust is destroyed, then all bets are off. How many times I have sat with usually women who are stuck, stuck in a destructive relationship that's not good for anybody. Now, they're usually good people not wanting to break their marriage vows, but they're trapped in a life-taking situation. And at some point, I remind her that she was not the one who broke the vows. And if repair is not possible, then she's no longer bound by the vows that she took. You see, not all marriages are made in heaven. And in the human sphere, loving another does not always guarantee or translate into being able to live with them. Human love is transactional. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You take care of me when I'm sick, I'll take care of you when you're sick. You love me, I'll love you in return. And when you think about it, really almost all of our life is transactional. You fix my car, and I'll pay your money. You provide shelter for me, and I'll pay your rent. You work 40 hours for me, and you can expect a paycheck. But if you don't show up for work, yeah, I'm not paying you. You see, our lives, our loves, our relationships are mostly transactional. Human love is conditional love, and it pales in comparison to the love of God. Can a mother forget? Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can a mother forget her nursing child? Well, it's not really likely, but it is possible, is it not? Now, the sermon title this morning is a sermon about nothing. And the thousand words that I've just spoken to you so far are only an introduction to the lesson that I would like to share with you. You see, as I promised, I want to talk to you about nothing. That's right, nothing. The point of the sermon is nothing. And I hope that you leave here this morning with something. And that something is the word nothing. Ready? (laughs) Ready. Paul writes these words, 8th chapter, Romans. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Will affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. 
In all these things we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This sermon is about nothing, N-O-T-H-I-N-G. Now repeat after me, please. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Keep going. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Yeah. Do you believe that? Can you believe that in your heart? You see, God's love is not transactional. There is nothing that we can do to make God love us more, and there is nothing we can do to make God love us less. Now, that's not the case in transactional love, and it's not the case in the world. No, your self-centered, sinful, and maybe downright stupid behavior has consequences. And you may lose. You may lose your marriage. You may lose your family. You may lose your job. You may lose your health. You may lose your reputation. And in the end, you may be such a mess that no one on earth really loves you. Can a mother forget her nursing child? It happens. But we're talking about God here, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb. Hear it one more time. There is nothing that we can do to make God love us more, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. Nothing. Got it? Say it one more time. Nothing. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. Nothing. You see, we can't earn it. Not with perfect church attendance, though I would encourage you to have perfect church attendance. (laughs) Not by giving all of our money to the poor. Not by quitting that big job at Boeing to be a volunteer crosswalk guide for old people. (laughs) Or not by tutoring disadvantaged children. Now, all of these have benefits, and they may have a direct effect on your life and your quality of life, on your abundant life, on the health and vitality of your family and the community, but let's be very clear. You are not going to gain some special status with God by doing these things. And you know why? Because you already have that special status with God. Nothing is the word. A sermon about nothing. Remember nothing that I say today. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do to make God love you less. Nothing. So what's included in nothing? Think about that question for a moment. What's included in nothing? Paul said everything. Everything is included in nothing. Everything in all creation. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That means everything out there, none of it is a threat to you. It might be a threat to your life. It's not a threat to God's love. Now, I'm going to throw some things out here, and I want you to respond every time I point to you by saying, like you mean it, like you're awake. No way. Are you ready? 
Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Can addiction separate us from the love of God? Can disability separate us from the love of God? Can depression separate us from the love of God? Can mental illness separate us from the love of God? Can divorce separate us from the love of God? Can bankruptcy separate us from the love of God? Can sin separate us from the love of God? Can unbelief separate us from the love of God? Can death separate us from the love of God? Good job, folks. That's right, there's not a chance. Even in your rebellion, you are incapable, impotent, and powerless to defeat or defer God's love for you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You don't get a vote, you see? You don't get a a vote. Your free will has limits. Your free will will not change the very nature of God. And if you think that you are powerful enough to change God's direction or change God's essence of love, I would say to you, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that you might control God? Who do you think you are that your thoughtless actions might drive God away from you forever? No, God will have you, and God will love you, and God's love is not dependent upon your understanding or your approval. God is love, and God wins. Love wins. And my prayer would be that that love would set us free. So let me end by saying this loud and clear. When there is no table in the world that will welcome you, you are still welcome at this table. And when there's no home that will open its doors for you, this sanctuary still bids you to come. Nothing means nothing And nothing means everything. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. And there you have it. A sermon about nothing.
I stand for you. You know our world is in great pain. She needs our loving care again. But there are those who fail to see what we have done and what we need. There is a cost for every act. And now If you're thinking it's not urgent That we've got more time to kill If I'm not the one who changed things Then for heaven's sake, who will? now to God in prayer. Andy's going to come forward and lead us in the prayers. You may remain seated. Uh, each prayer will end God of mercy and our response will be hear our prayer. Let us pray. Loving God, we know you hear us and will never let us go. We calm our hearts as we bring our prayers this day. God of mercy, prayer. Tender God, you restore our souls in times when we are tested and find ourselves astray from your truth. Let us seek paths that honor your wishes for abundant life for all your creation and bring about the transformation of present conditions and future hopes for all who wander. Make us living examples of the light of your love. God of mercy, mighty God, 
We know that nothing can separate us from your love. Help us find ways of making this hope real to those in situations of grave distress, war, famine, cycles of abuse, homelessness, persecution, and let them have tangible relief from those trials. Let us really see those who are historically marginalized in our community and in communities around the world, wherever injustice is found, and bring healing and redress to those injustices. God of mercy, generous God, your bounty amazes us. We see your bounty in nature, in food, in companions, in love. May all experience your overflowing love and sustaining presence in our lives. God of mercy. Merciful God, your love surrounds us and fills us. Let those who are ill or who have lost loved ones remember your love as they find a path forward. We remember, especially this day, the life and service of Pastor Dan Erlander and the ministry he and Karen shared for so many years, making our lives so much richer. May we trust in your promises all the days of our lives. God of mercy, in all these things, and for the gift of your Son, we give thanks. Holy God, as we lift these prayers, trusting in your name. Amen. If it's comfortable, I invite you to stand. The peace of the Lord be with you. Please share a sign of greeting with one another. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing so joyfully in that uh, greeting of peace. Now after the service, take that good energy right over into the uh, gym for a time of coffee and cookies and fellowship and lots of chocolate, chocolate, chocolate today. Thank you all for bringing chocolate in. And we have lots of chocolate there today. So um, uh, come on over. Invest some time, get to know each other. Uh, we're trying to journey together uh, in faith in this world. And coming out of the pandemic, we need to hear each other's stories and get reconnected. You have an opportunity this Thursday as well. This Thursday, we're going to be in the gym. We're having a luncheon, a potluck luncheon. Uh, potluck means you bring something, I bring something, and we all eat. So, noon in the gym uh, for a potluck luncheon on uh, this Thursday. And um, then a lot going on next weekend. The quilters are having a bazaar next um, Sunday in the gym. So a variety of things in the gym, quilts, and maybe some other things. So please uh, plan on joining them. And then next Sunday, you'll see a little announcement now here. David Harsh is going to be here. David was with us several times before the pandemic. Um, and he is a gifted musician. He's got a lot of energy. 
and uh, he's a worship leader in his own congregation, and he's going to be here next Sunday morning at both services. He's going to be working with our team, Carl and Ron and others, and uh, he's going to be providing some special music, and then in the afternoon, 3 o'clock, he's going to be right here in concert. It's high energy. It's lots of fun. You'll really enjoy it. And the no tickets, it's free. We'll have a free will offering, but we're not worried about any of that. We just want you to come out and be together for that. And then and you see on the back side of that, a pumpkin pie social. So there'll be a pumpkin pie social in the gym. Laura Camby is uh, coordinating that. And you could talk to Laura if you wanted to help with that as well. Um, as you're heading in to have coffee, notice the new art display. Jan Wright. Jan's our church council president. She's right there waving at you. And uh, she has a beautiful new art display, um, acrylic, uh, acrylic pour painting. So it's really quite fascinating. So Jan, Jan will be around too if you want to talk to her about that. Call on Deacon Amy. Good morning. Lots of great things going on for kids and families in the congregation. You can pick up this green sheet on the Narthex table. Uh, we have confirmation classes the first and third Sundays at 9.15. Sunday school for our younger kids during the 10.30 service every Sunday morning. Uh, high school youth group meets on Sunday starting at noon. And middle schoolers on Wednesdays at 4. So lots of opportunities to plug in. And this Thursday evening, we're having our third Thursday family fun night. Uh, at 6 o'clock, this, so this is we're inviting families of all ages to come have dinner together. This, this month is homemade chicken strips and fries, and then we're decorating pumpkins together. So bring your own pumpkin, or we'll have several pumpkins here that the Simmons Family Farm has donated to us. So looking forward to that fun time this Thursday evening at 6 o'clock. And then next Sunday's Adult Ed, uh, we're starting to look at the Bible Project. So an introduction to the Bible Project next Sunday, Adult Ed is at 9.15 between services in the Fireside Room. Thank you. Thank you, Deacon Amy. Chocolate, chicken strips, french fries, don't think we don't love you. Um, (laughs) Which leads me, though, to the meal that we're about to share, a healthier meal for you in every way. A word about Holy Communion. And that word is that you are welcome. This isn't a Lutheran table. We just work here. We set the table. Jesus invites, and you come. And you are all invited. It doesn't matter if you've never worshipped with the Lutherans before. You're invited today. It doesn't matter where your journey has taken you. You're invited today. You're invited to come and hear words of hope and words of promise, the body and blood of Christ given and shed for you. The ushers will help you to come down the center aisle to the little River Jordan that we have there to remember your baptism. You can put your hand out and receive the host. You receive the host, hold on to it momentarily, and then dip it and tinct it into the chalice of your choice. The first chalice will have wine. The second chalice will have grape juice. We also have gluten-free elements available. But most importantly, know that you are welcome this day and always at this table. As we move towards the table, I would invite you to stand. We gather at a table now that welcomes our parents and grandparents, a table that this day will welcome Christians of a variety of colors, races, and denominations all around the world. But our story starts 2,000 years ago. It was a Thursday night in Holy Week, 
It was the night in which he was betrayed, and Jesus was dining with those who would betray him. And in this night, he took the bread and gave thanks. He broke it and he gave it to each of the disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And then again after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. The gifts of God for the people of God, all are welcome. Please come. You may be seated. Just for song, 
Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. Amen. Fed and forgiven. We have been fed and forgiven. And now I would encourage you to go out those doors and make a difference in the world. Be the hands and feet of Jesus this week. Find your place of ministry and service. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And our sending hymn is a hymn of great hope. Uh, light dawns on a weary world. Thank you.
Oh, boy. 